and we're back. Hi, welcome to Interesting Stuff. It's the irregular, tries to be regular, homeschool education supplement where we pick on a topic or perhaps pick up a topic that other people have perhaps avoided. We shine a little light into the darkness and try to pick something intriguing to look at. And today we have picked washing your clothes. Yep, it's an interesting one, this one. No, really, really, really it is, because washing clothes is kind of one of those chores that everybody has to do and that everybody kind of hates. Although in the modern world, if you've got a, a washing machine, then, you know, you throw in the clothes, you turn the dial, you add some powder and maybe some fabric softener, and you hit the button. Close the door first, though. You know, you hit the button and um, that's it, you know. Bob's your uncle, as they say, and uh, off it goes, washing your clothes. And then you take them out at the end, um, maybe you put them in the dryer, maybe you hang them up to dry, and uh, it's do, did, done. But it wasn't always that way. Because perhaps since the beginning of time, up to at least about 150 years ago, wash day had always been a trial. And for hundreds of years, the process barely changed. Until, that is, the first commercial washing machines began to appear in around 1860. Yet before that, nearly all washing was done laboriously by human hand. Did you know an hour at the wash tub washing clothes was roughly equivalent to an hour of swimming breaststroke at an energetic pace? And the work was so physically exhausting that it is now thought to have been a leading cause of ill health. Of course, the easiest way of dealing with wash day was, and sometimes still is, to put it off as long as possible. And until the 18th century, even the wealthiest households did their washing only once a month. And people disguised the smell of unwashed clothes and maybe even themselves with perfume and deodorants. And of course, it was always one rule for the rich and another for the poor. And those who could afford it employed laundry maids or sent their washing out. A formidable breed of professional washerwoman, renowned for her muscular physique and lewd language, dominated the communal washing grounds, which held a central place in the life of every town and village. These public washing grounds were situated near running water, which was collected in large tubs and heated on open fires. The women scrubbed the laundry with their bare hands, using soap made from animal fat boiled with lyre, an organic detergent derived from wood ash. Once mixed with the soap, the clothes would be rubbed against washboards, and after an excess of water was wrung out, the washing was hung up to dry on the communal washing lines. Habits, however, began to change at the end of the 18th century when people could afford to change clothes more often as the price of cloth fell due to the Industrial Revolution. However, the quantity of laundry increased accordingly. 
Women wore at least three layers of underclothing alone. Ooh, that must have been uncomfortable. And it was standard practice for these to be washed weekly. It became more economical for big households to do their washing at home, in a laundry room. Though commercial laundries continued to flourish in larger cities, and some even still do today. By the 19th century, the best private laundries had stone floors laid on brick piers which sloped gently towards a drainage gutter. Washing was done in a series of wooden tubs, the more sophisticated of which were fed by hot and cold taps. In winter, and in cities with outside clotheslines, clothes were hung on wooden frames and left to air in drying rooms heated often by furnaces. Monday was for sorting the washing into piles of whites, coloreds and woolens. Maids for the rich removed ribbons, lace adornments and buttons that were too delicate to survive the wash. And stains and grease spots were rubbed with the animal fat. Washing was left to soak in lukewarm water mixed with soda. On Tuesday the fires were lit, whites were given at least three separate washes with soap in water as hot as the hand could bear, and coloured clothes and woolens were washed in cooler water to stop them from shrinking. The famous Mrs. Beaton in her book of Household Management, 1861, had a handy tip for preserving the colour of darker silks when she advised dabbing them with gin, which could perhaps also be drunk to relieve some of the boredom of the tasks involved. Moving on, the remainder of the week was devoted to mangling and ironing. The upright mangle was designed by George G. in 1779. Turning its handle turned two rollers between which the cloth was passed. The action of the rollers squeezed out the excess water and gave the sheets an initial pressing. By 1850, mangles were widely available. Once the clothes were nearly dry, they were ironed. A cloth was laid over a table so it could double as an ironing board, and heavy irons were heated by the fire. And I think, you know, some of these irons can still be found in old antique shops. I seem to remember coming across a few the last time I was in one. Mm. In the modern world, they are probably just used as decorations or um, doorstops. That would be quite a good use for them. Anyway, or, you know, they're pretty heavy, so uh, you could actually use them as weights for weightlifting if you really wanted, if you got stuck. But moving on, before metal alternatives were introduced in the mid-19th century, washboards, washtubs, and other contraptions used to do the laundry were primarily made of wood. In order to make them water-resistant, the wood had to be seasoned for up to 18 months before use. The new washboards, made of durable corrugated zinc, iron or glass, were welcomed as valuable additions to the laundry maid's armory. Other inventions to lighten the load had appeared as early as 1691 when the first washing machine was patented in England. These early machines mostly consisted of a tub with paddles inside. The tub was filled with clothes and the handle turned to make the paddles spin around. 
Few machines, however, lived up to the extravagant claims of their inventors, and they frequently ruined, don't know why I'm laughing, they frequently ruined the clothes that they had been designed to wash. Yeah, I'm just thinking about the fact that there's a lot of marketing involved in life, and there's a lot of things that you buy which don't do exactly what they say that they do, and I'm imagining that it would be very frustrating um, for people trying to wash clothes back in 1700 and and find that these uh, expensive machines didn't work. Anyhow, the tedious task of washing changed very little until finally we had the introduction of the electric-powered washing machines in 1906. However, even then, the proximity of water and electricity made these extremely dangerous. And can you imagine there are some things that you just don't want to mix together? And so there we have it. In the modern world, well, I guess we've got a lot of luxuries which give us a lot more free time. And that's a good thing. And, you know, it's worth every now and then thinking back to the past, realizing how far we've come and checking out how hard people had it in the past, because it was a pretty hard life a couple of hundred years ago, for sure. So once again, realize we stand on the shoulders of giants and we're pretty lucky to be where we are. And so that's it. I hope you found this interesting. Maybe you picked up something new. As usual, under the video, there'll be some comprehension questions. And if you want a different topic, drop me a line. Let me know what you want to hear. And I'll try to include it. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I wish you a great day. And I'll speak to you again soon.